Welcome to Re-Review, where we watch movies from our past with a perspective from today. Your hosts are Matt, Bobby, and Austin, and we love the films from our youth, so we're taking a look back to see if they still hold up. On this episode, we're discussing The Hunt for Red October. It was released in 1990, directed by John McTiernan, starring Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, and Scott Glenn. This movie tells the story of a Russian submarine captain defecting to the U.S. Now, this is a fair warning. We're spoiling a 32-year-old movie, so if you haven't seen it, we will be revealing key plot points. Bobby chose this one, so he gets to open up our discussion this week. Bobby? Yeah, this movie seemed to me like it was um, just kind of like pure 90s testosterone, like Top Gun, like you know, recruit into the, into the Navy type movie. Um, I mean, it's got a, um, John McTiernan, as you mentioned, as a director who directed movies like Die Hard and Jean DeBont who directed Twister. So it's kind of like, Oh, like, Hey, like there's like some of the really fun, like other popcorn style movies that I enjoy. So here's hunt for red October. And I found it like very interesting with the director and the, and the cinematographer. I mean, it's basically like, you know, with the submarine situation, it's very like one of those contained kind of stories, kind of like paranormal activity or like buried where it was like, just like, it was kind of like intentionally claustrophobic. And so like, so claustrophobic. Yeah. It was just like, okay. Like they, they did the wide angle, like real close up, even in the scenes where they, where they were kind of like more like, in a conference room where there was space, like they even shot it. Like there was no space, like whip panning back and, you know, just up in people's faces. And, you know, I mean, like it was a very just artfully done movie and I just appreciated the cinematography to it. That's really true. I, I didn't think much of the scenes outside of the submarine, but you're used to, I feel like with TV shows and even movies that revolve around being in government spaces, especially U S government spaces you get really big wide shots to make you feel like, Oh, you're in the presence of this really great space. And it really wasn't there. There was that in the very beginning where they had like zooming kind of like tracking helicopter kind of shots say like, you know, like, Hey, like you don't know that we're on top of a submarine. Cause there's a really, really close up shot of Sean Connery's eyes. And then, you know, track way, way, way far away to show like, okay, they're in a submarine. And then for the rest of it, you know, with the exception of a couple of the helicopter shots, it's 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 very like, you know, like a buried paranormal activity, like one room claustrophobic, and it's like kind of like the walls are coming in on you, kind of like suspense. It did feel super, like you said. Well, obviously, early '90s, being 1990, without necessarily hitting you with all the nostalgia points that I feel like we've hit on other films that we've watched uh, from the era. Um, Matt, how'd you feel? Um, it's one of those movies that I feel like on paper sounds like a really solid movie. Um, the cast is obviously amazing. I mean, every name that popped up on the screen was like, Oh, that guy. Oh, and then that guy. Oh, and that person. There's a Um, lot of names. There's a lot. I mean, and all of them, I mean, quite a few of them are still active today. Um, unfortunately, obviously a few of them have passed away, um, since, but you know, it's an amazing cast you know, the director, cinematographer all have, you know, a lot of clout to them. Um, and then obviously just the basis of it being, you know, a Jack Ryan um, story. I, this, I believe this was the first one in 1990 of the series. So obviously on paper, it had 
all this stuff really going for it. Um, it was a little bit before my time to actually watch it in theaters. I didn't see it till much later in life, but watching it again for the first time in you know probably two decades before your time. Hold on, you were alive, <laughs> sir. I was I was alive, but I was in another country, and I was way too young to be watching a movie like this. I you know I was watching Care Bears and stuff like I, that. I think I saw it on TV pan and scan on like a thirteen inch TV, and really? so that sounds glorious. It, a CRT see, TV, yeah, seeing it on a bigger on a bigger screen and it's in its full aspect ratio is you know much better for the cinematic experience. I definitely think that it would have been an interesting movie to watch in theaters. I think that the the this the scale of it being much more compressed as well as the nature of a submarine and being underwater being very sound driven, being very atmospheric. I think it would have been pretty interesting to have the full surround sound going with the, you know, with the screen as big as it is in front of you. Um, you know, I'm I'm watching this on a 40 inch screen. And it, I, I can only imagine what it'd been like to been inside of a theater to watch it. Obviously, back in the day type theater, but still would have been pretty nice to see. Um, as far as my thoughts on it, I um, it was enjoyable. I feel like the pacing was a little bit slow at the beginning. Um, I definitely think that it picked up as it went on. Um, there was parts where I, I did find myself drawn into the story. Um, Again, the cast was was pretty solid. Um, I'm still torn on my thoughts on Sean Connery as a Russian mm-hmm. sea captain. It's really it's hard Scottish, to ignore the Scottish sea captain. Hold the, on, the, well, let's get Scottish this clear. <laughs> um, so I and I will point out that I do appreciate the fact of the of the uh, the conversion from Russian to all of a sudden it's English. And that I'm was sure, really interesting. You know that I. I think that the way they did it was pretty interesting. Um, I, I had forgotten how they did it with, with the zoom in on Sam Neill's mouth as he's talking and then doing the slow gradient between, you know, the fade in and fade out between the two. Um, and kudos to them for learning as much Russian as they probably did in order to do that. But then again, I don't know, maybe, maybe they had voiceover people come in and do that, <laughs> but probably be wise. <laughs> They still, you know, having that conversion come in or whatever was, you know, was good. Um, obviously, it's something that happens more often now. But I do like the fact that it it starts with Russian and transitions to English as opposed to just having them speaking English, right? Um, obviously, the English is for us, not not for anything else. So having it begin Russian and go to English, you know, was a good little thing rather than just having it start that way. Um yeah, it was it was an interesting watch. Um, it definitely didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. Um, I had forgotten more than I remembered, to be honest. Was for its benefit or for its negative? From my point of view, for its negative. Oh, interesting. Uh, I mean, we'll, I mean, get I mean, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So uh, let me open with my ignorance. You mentioned Jack Ryan as a character. This is the same Jack Ryan who is Chris Pine. Who is John and Harrison Ford from clear and present danger. Same guy. Ben Affleck too. Ben Affleck. My mind is being blown right now. I guess I didn't understand what was happening in this world. So it's the, it's the same world as the next two movies, clear and present danger. And I'm blanking on what the name of the third one is, but even James. Yes. You're correct. Um, James Earl Jones is the same character throughout the next movie. 
and you're hitting on the key thing. So I've actually never watched this before. Um, there's a thing where I, I don't like claustrophobic things, which we opened up with. And I also have a aversion to an aversion to uh, sub, submarine underwater explosions. And I blame, uh, what was the movie I mentioned? UH, what, what, the, what is it? Oh, oh, U five seven one. U five seven one. I think I remember in my youth seeing the trailer for that film and not really appreciating how things explode underwater. More so, not liking it. The idea of just being in a submarine and and having an exploded drowning sounds well. A, a really, really great, great implosion underwater implosion is from the abyss when the like underwater rover starts falling into the abyss at the bottom of the ocean it implodes and it's mm -hmm. it's brutal everyone's taking away my movie card because i i don't think i've seen the abyss either bringing up the idea of fears like i feel like i have the same thing about like space movies sometimes like the ones that are that are shot not like star wars but the ones that are more like you know um shot gravity yeah yeah, uh, not the best example, but yes, <laughs> jumping between ships to get back to Earth. Um, yeah, no, just the idea of like you know the fact that a, a small meteorite could go through the hole and just completely like obliterate everyone or whatever. Just the idea of that you know that thin wall is separating between you and oblivion. Um, I've never really had that aversion to um, to submarine movies for the most part. Um, I do have that for like cave movies sometimes. Oh, I hate um, cave movies. Yeah, so. like the, the claustrophobic aspect of it. So I, you yeah. know, I with U five seven one, I definitely get that because that one was obviously a much more tragic take on it, mm. um, and just the approach to it and the the inevitable dread of the end result. Um, this one, yeah, I'm glad they did spy thriller. Right, I'm so, so glad they didn't have any scenes in this where like there was a couple of the guys trapped and the, like the water is slowly filling. The yeah. That, that's the stuff that I, I can't handle. And I think that's why, okay. You just rattled off multiple things about submarine movies, which I again have refused to watch. So being the first submarine movie I've watched in ages, um, if ever, uh, I, I find myself actually enjoying it in a weird way. Um, I felt the the story was compelling enough. I got into it, even though a lot of things felt missing. A lot of things felt uh, really given over to the characters, you know, where um, specifically uh, where <clears throat> like Alec Baldwin, Jack Ryan, the character herself is like, I know, I know Ramius. I know Captain Ramius. I know exactly how this person thinks. And then it just works out perfectly that that's exactly how Ramius thinks. That may be a detriment, but I didn't mind it. And really, the whole time I was like, okay, I can just give in to this entire story, even though I don't know full motivation. All we got for Ramius is that his wife died, and he clearly despises you know, the Russian government as a result of losing his wife, so therefore he's doing this. But I was kind of bought into it, and ultimately what pulled me away was the use of technology at the most part seeing the the way they did the missiles the uh, just the you mean not not the not the technology portrayed by the submarines but like you mean like the filmmaking technology yes, of like correct. the special the, effects and the yes, compositing the special and effects like not not the not the technology in the world that they created for the story but the actual looking at the film there were just mm -hmm. parts that I was just like this is really ugly 
Yeah, there the the matte painting and the matte tracking was right. Yeah, well, it's, and it's and it's so weird because a lot of the submarine shots I thought were really good. I think that you know, mm-hmm. obviously they they used you know uh, you know fog and stuff like that to give the impression of it being underwater. Um, but as soon as a torpedo showed up, or those little uh, green uh, deflectors, you know that, that defense, were countermeasures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as those popped out, and then the final the final shot with the with the night to day ch- conversion or whatever, it, it hurt, and it it. I can't even imagine seeing that on the big screen like that. That would that pulled me out for a little bit. I was like, oh I know, no, I know we're yeah, jumping this- ahead, but why that shot? I, this is the <laughs> end of the movie, and it just was ugly. It was so bad. Yeah, it was clearly like on a stage, you know. I, I wonder if they didn't have that scene originally and it was like a pickup kind of situation. You know, like, oh, like just hurry up and get this thing. Cause it did it did seem like it was outside of the rest of it, which I, I actually thought, you know, as opposed for some of those torpedo things, which I mean, to be fair, like in 1990. They didn't really have like a particle simulation that was really convincing at the time. So it's like, it's a difficult thing to pull off, like, I think. But here's the thing, at least from my point of view, and I feel like other movies have done this really well. Um, I still haven't watched, what was it, Greyhound with uh, Tom Hanks? That's another story movie. Um, You don't show it. If you can't do it, you don't show it. I feel like the sound of an approaching torpedo would be much more menacing than showing this bad CG effect. And Maybe back then they thought it looked amazing. It's entirely possible, but I feel like the 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 uh, suspense of it's been fired and you hear like a sound or you see on the sonar the approaching torpedo is much more effective than showing it. I mean, it's like showing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the first thing I thought of and it stuck with me the entire thing was Jaws 3D mm. and and the shot of that right. stupid shark slowly floating floating at like a glass window. That's exactly what I was thinking of when I saw that torpedo and I was like, why? And you keep doing it. I think I have to agree with you because the part that I felt most tense is when they had the torpedo passing by the ship closer to the end where the idea is the sound went over the ship and, you know, it only passed because they didn't arm it in time. And there was definitely a lot more tension to seeing this cheesy, you know, multi-layered torpedo that that just didn't look like it was actually in place yeah and it just again maybe it worked for them at the time it was 1990 maybe somebody saw this like it looks so real you know i was sitting there in front of an n64 saying the same thing so maybe maybe they were too (laughs) back then how dare you sir nintendo 64 always looks real how dare you how dare you you know you mentioned greyhound it looks like so this movie's from 2020 so you're saying there's a submarine movie where i don't have to watch the missiles well i mean i again i haven't seen it so i you know it's been on my list for a while now um i feel like i have seen quite a few of these submarine-esque movies um over the years um and I feel like, you know, the ongoing trend of them is typically the, the claustrophobia, the suspense, the, um, the dread, um, mm-hmm. because there, there is no escape. Um, obviously there's been real world, um, scenarios of, uh, damage, stranded subs, stuff like that. So even if, 
you know, you don't get immediately annihilated. You know, you could sit there and you could, you know, drown inside the sub that's supposed to protect you from the water. And yeah. And the nuclear power part of it adds another disturbing element to it. So typically that's the route that they go, right? It's, it's rarely, you know, a Michael Bay movie where it's, you know, more about blowing stuff up. I'm glad you brought up the nuclear element because did all of those Russian Navy person, Russian, did they, are they all dead? <laughs> no, no, no. That was all fake. That was all faked by the uh, oh, engineers. Yes, you're right. You're when, right. When he, when they came, the Americans came on board or whatever, he was like tinkering with the, 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 cause the whole point of it was to get them off the boat. So they, they just faked it. Thank you for reminding me of something that I clearly missed. So I'll flip back to the technology point and mentioning, you know, film from 2020, looking at what they did, I kind of had this idea of, you know, I would maybe enjoy seeing this remade or at least the idea of it. What do you think of that? Do you think that they could perform this a lot better with, with today's tech? Uh, Well, okay. So we'd have, we'd have to clarify some things going into it. Is it a remake of this scenario? Because I feel like, I don't think the cold war really sells anymore. Um, I don't think that it has the same relevance that it did in 1990. Cause clearly the cold war was still going. Uh, obviously yeah. it was about to end, but for the most part, it was still going. The USSR still existed at the time. Um, you know, could it be a more modern take on it where uh, some other countries that I don't know if I can mention or not that we're in conflict with potentially at the time or in the near future. Um, and it's a similar scenario, potentially I, if they do, and this is kind of my problem with this movie, it couldn't decide what kind of movie it wanted to be. Was it a suspense thriller on, is this guy going crazy with the nuclear weapons or is he, you know, coming to switch sides or is it all of a sudden now a kind of heist movie to try to trick everyone into thinking, that this this sub is you know being sunk or is it now a diehard movie where it's this you know i i don't know how much we want to spoil this but a person who has you know turned traitor on the on them to kind of sabotage the whole thing it's like these three different movies kind of squashed together okay. mm-hmm. I, it's it's a heist hard <laughs> I, I, feel I, like, I, I feel like those options made the most sense to me <laughs> to me i honestly thought that this movie would have worked a lot better if it was really in question as to whether or not he was, um, you know, turning traitor or if he was going to attack the U S or not. I think well, is was, that not how it was supposed to be or, but we found that so early that, yeah, he was like not even traitor. midway through the movie. He, he openly admitted cause they had the little powwow with the, with the rest of the, the Russian defectors or whatever about what their plan was. Mm-hmm. Now, could he have possibly have been, you know, double you know betraying them too and he was actually going to blow stuff up but it, it, it didn't come across that way halfway through the movie mm-hmm. it was very well implied that they are switch you know they are trying to defect i mean I, I think just the fact that it's sean connery too kind of like leans towards hero but it, like it subconsciously so much, a little bit it could have been so much more interesting to have him go that route where like you didn't know if he was going to press the button or not you know, if it was going to be like, literally like the, the final moments was like, you know, someone saying like, we're going to blow him up. And Jack Ryan's like, no, I know this guy, you know, I I'm, you know, because, because they had more of a relationship. He told us four or five times that he knows that guy go on. Yeah. In, in this version of the movie, he could, he actually knows this guy, right? Like they, you know, they've met more than once at a party in passing, you know, 
tapping champagne glasses or whatever. Like he legit would have a reason to know him. Um, to me, I think that would have been a much more suspenseful, interesting movie. And you didn't really know until the very end, what direction it was going. Um, the heist movie yeah, probably would work, but you definitely wouldn't have had the suspense element. I don't think. But I think the reference to the heist, I, I guess that kind of made sense in terms of what we just watched. Uh, so for 1990, maybe you both notice, I, I don't, is did this win awards? Yes. I mean, technical awards. It won sound, best sound, best edit, or nominated for best sound, best editing, won for best sound design, I think. Was but not for and, the story, and, not for the acting? No. No, and to be honest, I could totally see that. There was there was no particularly strong performance in here that, you know, made me think that there was going to be any sort of award for or it didn't I they had the they had the people for it. There was, you know, some great actors in there that could have definitely pulled some great performances, but I the script just wasn't there for it, I think. Mm, okay. Well, I think that'll lead us into the uh, question that we tend to always ask is, uh, so Bobby, since you chose this, are you, are you pointing this out to people recommending it to them to watch today? I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting point in movie history, you know, and I think that it it comes from some of those, you know, those powerhouses of, you know, I mentioned Die Hard and Twister and some of those other films that some of the other people are involved in and, you know, I thought it was, you know, like a pretty solid entry. I mean, yeah, I mean, the the submarine genre, genre is kind of like a very interesting subgenre, you know, going on. And especially like the whole Jack Ryan thing, if people are interested in the whole Jack Ryan thing, I think that's very interesting too. So there's a lot of big Tom Clancy fans. So if you're a Tom Clancy fan, it's got to be on your list with read all the other eight. Read a book and play a video game. Yeah. Right. Whatever movies. Matt, are you telling people to watch this one? To be completely honest, probably not. I think there's better Jack Ryan movies out there that you could watch. Um, It's not a bad movie by any means, but as a Jack Ryan movie, there's definitely better options. And as a submarine movie, I think there's better options too. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that it's, it's almost like it's not a Jack Ryan movie. He's kind of like, uh, there supporting. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) A supporting character in his own own movie, right? Supporting supporting to the submarine itself. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Yeah, I guess I have to mix it up in terms of. I think I a both want to watch more Jack Ryan and submarine movies. I think that's an A and B. <laughs> I I guess I want to see more of of this world after watching this. I I'm surprised because I definitely put this movie off for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier in just not in my wheelhouse or something that I would watch. And now I'm saying, hmm, maybe I'll give another submarine movie a try. Maybe I should start with the uh, 2020 Tom Hanks movie and not go in order with something that might actually freak me out. But for me, it's a little bit of a give it a watch. It's interesting that we finally have something of a, a conf- conflicting answer here, but it's good to know that Matt's saying, you know, don't don't waste your time. And I'll probably watch it. I'll probably watch more things in the series. And Bobby says, give it a go. So making me the bad guy, (laughs) you know, always, always the case. So it's good to know that we have those different perspectives to kind of see this movie in particular, because as you mentioned, it, it can, it's a little dry at points, but again, I'm landing on, I think it's a little bit worth watching. So 
As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, the hard part of playing chicken is knowing when to flinch. <laughs>